Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the Falls Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Uh, Bruce, uh... This is the... I know that the folks at home can't see this, but this is the third consecutive week when we've had a chance to podcast face-to-face. We're actually sitting at my dining room table podcasting, and the most important part of what I just said is that we are sitting face-to-face. Which is not only rare when we're podcasting, but it's rare when we're playing Magic, too. Usually I'm, I'm directly next to you. Yeah, we tend, to, we tend to try and avoid sitting directly opposite each other, and we'll get into that through the course of the show, because... It's my shiny forehead, isn't it? Oh. Oh. Uh, oh, that was, a, that was a shot across the bow, folks. Shot uh, across the bow. But uh, that, that kind of gets to the point of today's episode, which is going to be uh, sitting and seating and seats and chairs and... Some S- sits at sut sut sure um, <laughs> something most people well something virtually no one thinks about when they're playing magic is where you're seated where you're seated has a dramatic effect okay you know what that's a little overstated where you're seated has a significant impact on the way your game is going to go I'm looking at it more from a magic perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, when you know, when you go over to a friend's house to play, or when you used to do that, or maybe you're back doing that now, but when you play face to face with other people, especially, especially for commander games or other multiplayer magic games, you're all sitting around a table, and because magic is a game based on turn order where you sit really does have a significant effect on the game. Um, And we're gonna go into that. Ideally, what I wanted to talk about was first about the physical aspect of where you're sitting. Um, And then we would spend the second half talking more about how that affects the gameplay itself, where you're seated, what your turn order is, and where to go from there. Mm -hmm. So um, that's sort of the the map for today's uh, yeah, the nice literal versus metaphorical, I guess not metaphorical, figurative where you're seated. Yes, we're uh, going to speak to literal and literally figuratively. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. To me, the physical, uh, the, the physical aspect really ties more into uh, the level of fun you're going to have in the game. Um, so... When I say physical, let's, let's start with the most basic of physical aspect is the chair itself. Mm. Um, one of the first groups that I ever played with, we would go over to a friend's place and they had this big table in the middle of a bedroom. Hmm. Now, this was four buddies who were all renting a place together. Uh, we were all in our very early 20s and some people were in their late teens and they had this larger table in a smaller bedroom. And surrounding the table were all the chairs. And this is where we played magic. And let me tell you, it got freaking hot in that room because there was one stupid window and we were on the second floor. But that's not the point. The point is (laughs) you learned to come early because while there were six chairs in that room, 
Four of them could hold your weight comfortably. Mm. And the other two had cracks. One had a crack in the seat, which was guaranteed to pinch your butt at some point during the course of the night. And the other one had a crack in one of the in one of the legs of the chair. So you sat So you're looking for the crack chair. Well, you sat poised get goosed leaning night. towards the the three the three solid legs for the entire night. This was just not comfortable. And you say to yourself, well, why didn't they just get better chairs? And that's a valid point, but they didn't. I mean, you're in your early 20s. Of course, you're not going to get better chairs. Why would you? Well, most of the chairs in the room were lawn chairs. <laughs> they were literally plastic yeah. piles of crap. And But some of them were broke and some of them weren't. So you learn to come early just to get a decent chair to sit in. This directly affects how much fun you're having playing Magic. When if you're spending half of your time perched on a chair that only has really has three legs, <laughs> so that's about as fundamental as it gets. Um, but for you know, practically speaking, there's also uh, what I like to refer to as uh, as the chair that is near beer. Now it doesn't have to be beer. Essentially, it's the chair next to something that everybody wants. The near beer chair. Right. Now, where we play here, I have a beer fridge in our in my dining room. And the person who sits near that fridge is the one who's essentially assigned to provide liquid to everybody else. I gotta change my seating arrangement. <laughs> there that is my seat. I sit there. Right. Now, obviously this varies, you know, for some people. It's an annoyance that they have to reach in and grab beer or, in my case, Coca-Cola or whatever other beverage people want. And for other people, it's a much better plan because mm. it means they don't have to constantly ask for it. So I guess it depends on, on a you. a politics game. Well, and it depends a little <laughs> bit on you. Um, if you're also using, uh, what is it, Ashnaut's coupon? Oh, Yeah. Being the player nearest to the beer is generally where you want to be because yeah. it involves the least amount of effort. It's funny because these specific chairs as well, these are like deep seated dining chairs. Yeah. Uh, they're So when you're playing Magic, you're kind of not sitting on the edge, but like you're, I don't know, like my, my butt's like... I don't know how much I want to talk about my butt on this podcast, but uh, you're kind of like seated, seated like halfway up the chair. Uh, and I guess what I'm trying to get at is like during things like BrewCon where you're sitting in this chair for 12, 14 hours a day. Right. Uh, I remember getting up uh, and the next day the back of my thighs have like this like bruise on it just from like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like oh man like was I really seated for that long and like yeah like magic games can go long especially commander um right so, like you want to make sure that you you, you get comfy <clears throat> exactly and I mean you know we're talking about this is where I play most of my magic is in the dining room mm. and the chairs in here are just fine um but for those of us... Oh, yeah. No, they're comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but for those of us who, are, you know, for others who play most of their games at, say, your local card store, mm. where you're most likely seated in a... Or most likely seated in chair. a plastic yeah. folding chair where you sit down and you can feel the, le the four legs spread out just a little. <laughs> and, yes, I happen to be 6'4", 250 pounds. So, yes, 
the chairs do give a little when I sit on them. Oh yeah, me too. I'm six four. You can. <clears throat> there we go. I'm I'm only two hundred and fifty pounds too. <laughs> given the given the 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 average gamer, this this can be an issue, and it's some you know, and it does it does affect the mm. the enjoyment of the game. Um, I guess the other part is uh, the shape of the table itself. Mm. Can definitely, I think, affects the the way the game is played. I know of, well, I, I think the easiest comparison for me is Gen Con. Well, it wasn't Gen Con; it was PAX East when I noticed it. Um, at PAX, the first couple of days, we were playing at the standard the standard tables. Mm-hmm. You know, the rectangular folding tables that. Are just you know, wide enough during to put ma- two play mats. And- right. During magic tournaments, they squeeze three players to a side. And then when you're playing casually, you, you use the appropriate two players per mm. side. Because these tables are just not that big. And commander games take up more space. Um, but... It's the tokens. <laughs> exactly. But what I discovered was... What, with a square table, when you've got four players... It's two on one side and two on the other. And you're invariably facing directly against one person. And then the two, the two other players are sitting either on your left or right. And, you know, in the, in a square formation. Oh yeah. So like one on each. One on each corner. It's a square. Yeah. 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 The problem is with a square table, you are invariably more likely to attack the person directly seated directly across from you. Um, it's just the way it is. Now, that can be for a variety of reasons. Uh, you can more easily see what they're playing. The person sitting across from you likely just either just had their turn or is about to have their turn. So you are fully aware of exactly what they've done, what their defenses are, what their strengths are. Uh, you are more likely to see them as, as, as the primary threat just because of the, you know, how they're, they're first and foremost in your mind. Um, now I'm not saying that, you know, you always attack the person who sits across from you. Obviously that's not the case. I mean, if there's, you know, if, if there's a primary threat that's significant, I'm talking about a situation where, when everything is virtually equal, not even, not perfectly, but close to it, you're more likely to attack the person across from you. Oh, oh, okay. So we're, we're talking like, like a, like two and two. On yes. either side. Okay. I thought... Gotcha. Yeah. For some reason, I was picturing it like one, 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 and one. Like... like right. But, yeah. Um, I think that that's really interesting, too. Especially where, you know, you've got the things you said, and then you've got the fact that the person two away from you, the person diagonal, uh, is diagonal. So they're... Right essentially further away so it's like harder to keep an eye out you can't like perfectly see the cards maybe there's a bit of glare um right now if you happen to end up in a five player game at a square table then you likely have the same square formation mm -hmm. but then you're going to have one more person who is sitting at either the end or the head of the table so now that one person doesn't have anybody who's sitting directly across from them all they have are the two players that are nearest to them and then the two players that are farther away from them. Yeah. So it, it, it creates an uneven balance in the game. 
because the player at the head of the table is then mostly looking at the two players sitting closest to them. Yeah. And then there are the two players that are farther away. To actually see what's going on over there, you have to get up out of your chair and go look, or at least get up and lean. Or you have to make a comment and say, what do you have on the table? Or how many cards are in your graveyard without just being able to look and see? This all affects... Yeah, it's how... the it's the diagonal problem with the, the square too. Exactly. I mean, um, there, like, there are obviously ways to uh, counterbalance this in terms of gameplay. Uh, obviously, you can have people read their cards fully when they play them, um, which I mean, I would highly recommend regardless of the situation. Exactly. But then there are also like variants that you can play. Uh, and depending on how I edit and release this episode, we <laughs> will have already talked about it or will talk about it either earlier or later in this season. <laughs> uh, and so you've got things like star, or tack left or whatever, and it makes it easier to understand to not just do the easy thing because they're closer. Right. And it keeps the, it keeps the balance to the game. Yeah. But... Without that, there is this there, there's this lack of equilibrium in the game. Right. Now, that's the square table. Let's put everybody at the round table. Now you've got, even if you've only got four players, mm-hmm. you have two players facing each other and then two players facing each other, uh, at, and they're all at 90 degree angles to each other, mm-hmm. as opposed to sitting next to somebody and then having two players on the other side of the table. Right. It just becomes so much easier to see everything. Yeah. The opponent that you're sitting across from, you can see their cards. The opponents that are sitting on either side, you can see their cards. It's just, it makes things so much easier. Uh, I think you are still a little more likely to swing at the person across from you, but maybe not because you've got a better balance of knowledge of what everybody's playing. I think too with like a circle or even like a square rather than a rectangle where you do have that one and one and one and one uh like the person across from you has changed Um, right it's a different different position in the turn order um rather than the person directly before (laughs) or after you you are now looking at the person right the the person across from you is now the second person in order um and kind of uh with the shape of the table also kind of comes the size of the table yeah i've sat at tables that have been plenty too large uh some would say that this table that we're sitting at now right might be too big but it's also a dining room table that comfortably seats six yeah uh you know you could have a plastic folding table that comfortably seats four and it's the perfect size right uh and so like with the shape comes the size and uh who knows who knows exactly why you'd be more inclined to attack the person sitting across from you like whether it's at a rectangle square or circle um but it seems to show up more consistently that way uh my guess is probably because you're just like like default resting head position you're staring yeah. at them uh but uh who knows right and the other part of this if you make the game a five if you're playing a five player game and you're now at a round table Mm -hmm. there is no one directly opposite you 
you're in a star shape and everybody is facing inward so you know you're you're if you're going to default to attacking anybody it's going to be either the person on your left or your right yeah um however the entire table is more is more likely to be within view is much more like you're more likely to be aware of what everybody's playing because they're the relative distance between them is less um i think you're less likely to get any kind of a glare issue you're a round table is just going to be a better setup mm-hmm. um that's you know that's not generally an option right you know when you get when you're playing you're either at the at a square table or you're a square or rectangle <laughs> or you're at a round table you don't get the choice i'm just saying that given the the options you do you should keep in mind where you're about to where you're about to about to sit yeah when you're playing and kind of with thinking about that thinking about where you're going to sit obviously we've talked about the the physical yeah. dimensions and thickness and uh, material of the chair uh, but beyond that uh, where you sit is this idea of turn order because I think especially now that a lot of us are playing on spell table virtually um, there is more emphasis on that um, granted with spell table you can do it randomly right? but uh, if you are to be able to pick your your position in the turn yeah. order, um, there there's some nuance to it, uh, or at least some consequence to where you are in the turn order. Right. And we're going to talk about that when we get back from break. But I think it's about time. Uh, oh, you give got me, one more thing. Give me one more. All right. This is a, a, a quick one. One minute. Ideally... You want your back to the wall. The The benefit of having your back to the wall is that it's much harder for random error. <laughs> Meaning when somebody gets up to go get a pizza, they don't accidentally glance at your hand. Mm. I am not going to suggest that anybody is looking to cheat in a game of Commander. Because let's be honest, as my, as my good friend Kyle says, if you need to cheat in this game, then you know what? You go ahead. I don't need it that bad. <laughs> um, but if you're sitting against the wall... Nobody's walking behind you. Yeah. Nobody's seeing anything. This is another physical physical setup. It's not always the case, but it can certainly set that set up that way. I think um, more along the lines of physical parameters too. You've got things like don't box yourself in. Like if you're yes for whatever reason playing at like a booth in a, like a restaurant type thing, yeah. situation. It's like you know if you have to get somebody else if you're one to use the bathroom a lot like sometimes i am uh maybe don't sit all the way inside the room Uh, right like be close to the exit if you need to be uh things to consider because otherwise you're going to be like i don't want to bug anybody and then you're going to hold it and then you're going to play worse because you're under more stress and right and uh, this is Following that, this is exactly the reason why I almost always sit in the same chair when I when we play Magic at my house. It's because it's the chair closest to the kitchen. Uh, I want to be able to get up, do some quick prep on whatever pizza or whatever other meal we happen to be doing. And I don't want to have to walk past everybody else to get there. Mm. It's just, you know, I don't want to... You can slip in and out easily. I, exactly. And I sit so. next to you so that when I go behind you, I can see exactly what cards you're playing. There we go. This is what I'm talking about. So, 
Anyways, so that he, does, was a he doesn't do a good than, job hiding his hand. Anyway. I do not do a good job hiding. I my also hand. don't cheat. That would be absurd. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so we'll 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 talk more about the turn order when we get back from our break. Uh, but for right now, let's let's turn it over to our ad, uh, which uh, is sure to spark some giggles. Because I don't know. Uh, well, all right, be right back. This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by Entirely Normal Armchair. Because really, other than see the Synod, what other card was it going to be? Entirely Normal Armchair for all your seating needs. Back to you, Andy. Oh, thank you. I will take it. Um, welcome back. We are... Uh... If you forgot, we're Temple of the False Pod. We're talking about seating today. Uh, spectator seating. Uh, seat of the Synod. These were all ideas for our ad. But what you heard was the beautiful mind of Bruce Richard. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we, we've already talked about the physicality of sitting. Bent waists, bent knees comfortable uh now uh the more impactful uh i mean not to say that none of that impacts the game it does that was the point uh what is more impactful and what is more uh seen under honestly the rules of magic uh is the turn order um so there are things that if you were to choose the ideal turn order to figure out where to sit down because uh, where you sit impacts the turn order obviously uh, and with that comes an ideal uh, progression what's the word uh, sequence yeah. uh, comes an ideal sequence of mm-hmm. who comes before you who comes after you uh, who's diagonal to you uh and so with that, not that you want to optimize literally every second of the game, but honestly, the fun of the game can change dramatically depending on... Depending on where you're sitting. Depending on where you're sitting. <laughs> now, before we get any farther, I am going to say, um, let's start with the person who's seated on your right, the person who's playing before you. The best example of this was... Uh, at least for me, was was in this play group. Uh, this was before Andy came along. Um, one so of the guy, long ago. <laughs> one of the guys in the group was named Josh. Josh was always one of the first ones here. And Josh invariably would come in, we'd chat for a bit, and he would sit down in the seat next to me. Now, he liked that seat because um, you could see everybody as they come in. Mm. So it was it was a little more welcoming. Um it also meant that there weren't people walking around you all the time because that particular seat is close to the fridge and it's closer to the corner of the room. So it was just a little bit more comfortable for him to sit there. Honestly, that's probably why I sit there. Right. And I'm sure it was why Josh sat there. However, Josh was always one of the better players in the group and a lot of his decks were very responsive to what the rest of the group did. 
rest of the group was doing. Mm-hmm. The benefit for me was that because I played immediately after him, most people were looking at what Josh had just done. <laughs> Usually, he, you know, if he had a big play, it was something that, that would stick with players. So I would then get to play a turn that was particularly good too, but everybody was focused on what Josh had done because he had done it just before me. So sitting to my right worked well for me. Josh often also played with counterspells. And that also worked well for me because if I did something that was particularly dangerous, he then had to decide, <clears throat> do I use my counterspell now and not have anything for the next two players? Or do I wait with the expectation that one of those two players is going to have something that's worse than what uh, than what I just played? Right. You so don't want to was... end up kicking yourself being like, oh, I shouldn't have countered whatever Bruce did because somebody else did something worse and now right. I don't have that counter spell. So this always worked well for me. And then for whatever reason, Josh, Josh stopped being the first one there and <laughs> decided the better place for him to be seated was diagonally from me. Because apparently, at the end of his turn, I quite often would play something that would directly affect what he had just done. <laughs> and I could do this because my turn was coming up. I had the extra mana. I could play however I chose. Yeah. Um, and since I knew that Josh was generally the strongest player on the board, a lot of times I would wait and then be able to make my move then. When he moved to a different seat, it forced me to play differently and it allowed him to do different things. Roll turned upside down, Bruce. Turned upside down. And nothing, in, nothing really changed. We played the same decks. We're playing against the same opponents. The only thing that changed was where he was sitting. Mm. So it does make a difference. Even, like, with regards to counters, um, we've talked about, play, like, if the person who plays a lot of counters is right before you, yeah. and if they're diagonal. Now, there have been times where I've had a lot of counters, say, in my Pirates deck. Uh, and I know that, personally, to the people that I play against, I am... A little newer to the game. I still struggle with when to counter things and when to let them resolve, whether it is the ideal move or, in general, because of Commander EDH reasons, like letting the big plays sometimes resolve. Like, sometimes you just want to do that because you don't get those plays outside of Commander. Uh, And so if you are figuring out where to sit comparatively to the player who plays a lot of counters, I know that as an, a younger player, I have gone whole rounds uh, around the board and then realized I'm still holding up counter mana. And so it gets to the person right before me. And I'm like, well, I got to use it now. Otherwise, I'm going to have to hold it up again. And then I'm essentially down to mana or whatever. Right. Now, to be fair, the standard response to this is then... Don't use the counter. Right. Obviously, you want to use it on spells that you think are act- actually the threat. Now, if the person on your left plays a threat and you deem it significant enough that you should counter it, the only reason not to is if you think somebody else is going to play something even worse. Hmm. And that becomes a case of uh, how well you know your opponents, how well you know their decks, the likelihood of that actually happening. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you 
when to play counters. That's right. way beyond what we're talking about right now. <laughs> it's way beyond what we're talking about right now. It's way beyond kind of our periphery of magic in itself. But yeah. also, like I guess to tie it back in, uh, if you know of a player in your playgroup who is counter-heavy, uh, maybe don't sit to the right of them. Don't. Uh... Right. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where the person who, who is more likely to play counterspells, and when I say counterspells... It doesn't even need to be counterspells. Mm. It can be counterspells. It can be the person who, who is most likely to play with cards that can respond to what other people do. Yeah. Instant you don't want speed to removal, be, right. You don't want to be to their right. Right. Because at that point, they're looking at the mana they've got on the board and thinking, I'm wasting it. Now, it can be even worse if it's something that's on the table and it genuinely is a waste if they don't use the mana. The thing is, is that if your opponent has a card on the table that mm-hmm. allows them to spend mana and just get something for it and it doesn't even cost them a card well then it doesn't matter whether they're a good player or a bad player they're going to use it mm. and more often than not it's going to get used on you because they've now run out of options nobody nobody did anything that they especially didn't want right. damaged so now they get their choice and they target you or your spell or whatever you've and that's simply a product of you being in that seat. If you were in a different seat, you would not be suffering in the, in that same way. With that example, like what what uh do you have like a like a specific card in mind or like a type of card? Um like a permanent that does a thing that well, would only be helpful. There's uh well, I mean one of the cards I used in a previous Temple's Treasure is Douse. Douse is an older card, and it's an enchantment, and it says you spend one in a blue, and it counters target red spell. Mm-hmm. Now, you get around that by playing other cards that can change the, right. the name. But if you want to know more about that, go check out that podcast. Um, but a card like Douse is sitting there, and if there are two players at your table that are playing red spells, well, your opponent has, uh, the player who has the Douse has two mana up. The player who plays immediately after that, after the douse player, plays a red spell. It's sort of concerning, but not too bad. Well, I'm going to let that one go, because I only have two mana up. And I want to save it for something especially bad. So then everybody else gets to go, and then your turn, you're the last one up before the douse player, and you play a red spell. And it doesn't even matter what it is. It it can be a, a complete piece of garbage. Well, now that douse player is looking at it going, well, I can counter that, and there's really no downside, Mm -hmm. because that's what I got. The only restriction I have is maybe he's got another red spell. He doesn't. (laughs) So he counters your crappy spell. He should have countered the other guys, but he didn't know. He didn't know what you were going to play. So he waited on it, and now he's stuck countering any red spell that you play. Mm. It's... It's just a product of where you were seated. Um, it, it's just lousy, but that's sort of... Yeah. Know, that's how it goes. Yeah. And I think even, like like I had mentioned earlier, like it's hard to structure, I guess. Hard mm-hmm. to sequence turn order when so much is being done digitally lately. Um, right. Where it can be randomized, it isn't necessarily... Like, you have... Uh, well... 
Yeah, and like you said, with the randomization that you get from spell table, mm-hmm. to me, it, it it takes that part of it away, and it takes that that piece of negative away because you can restructure the table, yeah, restructure the turn order after every game. So maybe you had some rotten luck, and you know when you came in, you sat down, you didn't know what what your friend was going to play, you found out what deck he was going to play, and you were just like, oh, I can't believe I'm stuck <laughs> in this seat. And this isn't always a case of, you know the one where you know you don't want to be to the right of this person there are times right. when you don't want to be the left of the person either um it's a little less often um i think along those same lines too i think like generally it is hard to not necessarily predict but control uh not only where you're sitting uh physically at the table like right. in turn order but where in turn order you come because i think if you're first it has all these benefits but also like say you're playing like a white deck that's running like land tax and knight of the accord and knight of the white blossom black what is it knight of the white orchid knight of the white orchid uh like these cards that are hinging on you being slightly behind uh but if you're first it's really hard to get cards like land tax to do literally anything uh you either have to take a turn off to get behind if you're first or you're uh, you're relying on the ramp guy to do his thing the other one is uh it's a lot more narrow but it still it fits into what we were talking about with the counter spell um picture the type of cards uh i mean the one that the ones that really stick out to me are the tempt cards and other cards of that ilk so the opponent on your right plays one of the tempt cards, say the green one. So we've got tempt with discovery. Yeah. You, uh, I don't have the card up right now, but but essentially the card reads something along the lines of starting with you, you, you go find a land card. Then the next person in turn order goes can decide to go find a land card. But if they do, you then get to go find another land card. And right. it goes around the table until it gets back to you. Yeah. So if Andy plays Temp with Discovery, and I'm the next person up, everybody should know by now that these sort of cards, they're never good for you. Mm. Uh, the opponent who's running the card in the deck is going to find better land than you. And they're going to find a ton more of it if you even go to look for one. So you should never take the offer. Well, okay, maybe never is too strong, but you should almost never take the offer. Now, sitting just to the just to the left of Andy, if I say no, one, or sorry, if I say yes, I am essentially saying to everybody else at the table, we're all gonna say yes. Because I've already said yes, which means Andy's getting two cards. The other two players have a choice. They're not going to get anything, or they can at least each match up with what I got. Right. So rather than having the player who played the card get two ahead, everyone's getting one more ahead. And Right. I mean, so everybody gets one, except right. for Andy, who gets a bunch. <laughs> now... The other way is I can play it properly and say, no, I'm going to pass. And then that way, 
and he only gets one land. And that's really what we're looking for here. I mean, Template Discovery costs four. He really wants at least two lands mm -hmm. to make this worthwhile. Now, so if I say no, I get nothing. And he still only gets one card. Now, if the next person over says yes, well, now, I didn't get anything. And he gets two. That guy gets one. And we're still waiting to see what the next guy does. So Andy could get three. They each get one and I get nothing. <laughs> this is the danger of sitting, of sitting to the left of the person who has the tempting offer. Now, that also works with, um, uh, what was it? Yeah, Browbeat. Browbeat says any player may have Browbeat deal five damage to him or her. If no one does, target player draws three cards. So this is just the reverse. So now if Andy plays the browbeat as the first player up, I have a choice. I can take five damage or let Andy draw three. Well, I should take the five damage because we don't want Andy to draw three. But I'm looking at the next two players on there on the table and I'm like, well, it's not really my problem. One of you guys should have to take the damage. I'm <laughs> gonna pass. So the next person up, gets the same scenario and thinks to themselves, there's still one guy sitting over there. I'm going to pass. Yeah. Well, now the last guy, the one sitting to the pressure's right... pressure's all on him. The pressure is all on him, and it always will be for these kinds of cards because one person has to take the hit Yeah. or I think, the guy draws three. I think it's, it's funny, too, because with the tempting offer situation, yeah. it's like the person to the right... Like, I, we've played enough tempting offer cards yeah. that... I know there's generally no discussion around it when it finally hits the battlefield. So, yeah. like, uh, people won't say anything. And if you're the last person to choose and everybody said no, you can just say yes. and Like, you're essentially screwing over. Yeah. Your you're, you've just become <laughs> that guy. And, like, if you're not having a conversation about it, then, you know, you're, nobody can blame you. Right. Um, I mean, they can, but... right. And browbeat, you know, you know what I just described with the last person being the one who really should be taking the five damage to prevent the th the three cards. Mm -hmm. There, there are times when that's not necessarily the case. Right. I mean, obviously, if uh, if you have the five to spare, <laughs> might as well. If you have the five damage to spare, then yes, go ahead. If the person who's trying to draw the three cards is that there, there's three of you and one per you're all playing against one person who's way ahead mm -hmm. well then that one person who's way ahead is the one who's going to pay the five damage because the other guys are not going to pay for it they right. want you to draw the cards so you know so obviously it maybe it's not the person on the right if they kind of want the guy to draw the cards but all things all things equal being the person who's sitting on the right to the guy who's playing browbeat or other cards like it, you're you're just you're going to be the one who's expected to take the hit over and over again. Um, that's pretty much what I wanted to cover. Okay. Um, it's just again, virtually everything we've described here is stuff that you can't know until you sit down. Mm. Like you don't know what deck your opponent is playing. Um, you may have a general idea of what kind of a player they are, and maybe you can make assumptions based on that. You certainly can't control whether or not you're sitting at a round or a square table. Odds are, if you're going to a friend's house, 
you probably don't even get to choose where you're sitting anyway, <laughs> unless you're the first one there. Um, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, I've described all this and obviously we're also talking about uh, edge cases. Uh, right. You know, I a lot of this is is running on the assumption that everything else is equal. Well, once your four turns into a commander game, it's no longer equal. So a lot of what I've talked about doesn't doesn't factor doesn't factor in. Right. Um, but it's there. Yeah. It is there. I think uh, it's yeah. And it, I know it's there. Like I said, my friend Josh literally moved seats because he recognized well, we both did. We recognized the way the gameplay was going and were curious to see how it would change if we were seated in different areas in relation to each other. And it did change. Yeah. So this does, it does have, have an effect. It may not be every turn all the time. It's not overwhelming, but it's there and it does happen. Yeah. It's interesting because we were talking counters earlier, but that it's not just counters, it's instant speed removal. I mean, like, counters are, in a broad sense, instant speed removal, but um, where you sit has this effect on how you play, but also how your opponents play. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing to take away from this is you can't really optimize any of this. And, like, that's not the point of bringing your attention to it no it's but, not the point of a casual commander uh, game to look be optimizing your, right. your your seat position like oh like if i just you know bring a seat cushion maybe i'll play better or if i pee before the game like i'll play better um which like yeah absolutely uh go pee before you play it because uh you're gonna be interrupting <laughs> the game if you get up uh, and i think uh just just sit down and just sit down and play don't overthink it uh and if you catch yourself overthinking it i mean we brought this to your attention because it's it affects the game and that's it uh if you know it's there you can hopefully use it to have it affect you and your playing less just sit down and play yeah. just have fun Go, go talk with your friends. Go eat pizza. Go drink beer. Go get your friend's beer. Go go, go drink your friend's beer. Go drink your friend's beer. Uh, <laughs> shake up your friend's beer and then give it to them. Uh, don't do that. That would be mean because then you'll get their cards. Well, that's back. the joy of being at, at the near beer seat. Yeah. That's why I double sleep my cards, Bruce. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. No. Uh, I, I, that's all we want. Be comfortable. Yeah. Um, Mind your seat. Yeah. Speaking of going to the bathroom before we play, uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and then we're going to play some magic. Excellent. So uh, we get a head out. Uh, that's going to do it for us here at Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized. But our plays, sure as heck, are comfortable and fun. Uh, I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. 
Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, Also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.